The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Well, I am very excited. Let me ask you to open your Bibles uh, to the book of Jonah. Jonah. We don't go here very often. Oftentimes, we, uh, when we think of the book of Jonah, the story of Jonah, we think that this is a children's story. If it were just a children's story, um, it would not be included in the canon of Scripture. This is a book that has immense truth for us. It is tucked between Obadiah and Micah, and uh, if you don't, that doesn't help you, then don't be ashamed to use your, your, your table of contents. Um, go there without any shame. And uh, if you're using the ESV Study Bible, I can tell you that it's on page 1,687. But if you're not using the ESV Study Bible, that doesn't help you at all, okay? But we're going to be in Jonah for the next eight sermons or so in Jonah. There will be a couple of weeks in there where there will be some standalone sermons, standalone preaching. But uh, we're going to take the course of the summer and look at this book together. If this is your first time with us, you picked a good Sunday to, to, to start. And I would encourage you to, Lord willing, come back. Stay with us for the course of this book. It'll be a short book. Um, I, I have to confess to you that one of the reasons, very, very, very deep theological reason that I chose this book is because it's summer. And when it's summer, my mind goes to the ocean and the beach. And so I know that's, that's so deep and theological, uh, a great reason to pick this book. But it's not the only reason I picked this book. I picked this book because in it, we see the gospel come to life. We see more here than we could ever imagine. Have you seen those commercials, the direct TV commercials, where, um, for instance, don't have a grandson with a dog collar? You ever, have you seen those commercials? Don't leave me out in the cold. Do you all watch TV? <laughs> those commercials start with something like, uh, when you get frustrated because your cable's on, on the fritz, you, you throw things. You know what I'm talking about? And then w- when you throw things, your, your daughter sees and she mocks and she, she th- throws things or gets in fights and she gets kicked out of school. When she gets kicked out of school, she meets undesirables. When she meets undesirables, she ties the knot with undesirables. When she ties the knot with undesirables, you end up with a grandson w- with a dog collar. Don't have a grandson with a dog collar. Um, there, there's several of them out there. I could go on and on because they're just clever commercials. But we come to the book of Jonah, and this book reads like one of those. Let me just give you what I would think it would be like if this were a direct TV commercial. Uh, Let me just throw it out there for you. When God calls and you don't want to obey, you run from God. When you run from God, you get on a boat. When you get on a boat, a huge storm threatens to sink the boat. When the boat is about to sink, sailors throw you into the sea. When you get thrown into the sea, you get eaten by a big fish. Don't get eaten by a big fish. Get up and follow God. I, I, think, I think this is how we largely view this book sometimes. We think that the main central point or the thrust of this book is get off your keister and obey. We think the whole book, we think of Jonah and we think big fish. We think that there's this God up there that when we don't do what He says to do, He just gets angry and He sends these horrible things into our lives just to to punish us. Is this really what the book of Jonah is about? 
Or will we see over the course of eight sermons that the book of Jonah is less about a big fish and more about a big God? I think we're going to see over eight sermons that we're, we're going to see that we are great sinners who have a great Savior. So let's look at this together. I'm going to spend today, Lord willing, in just the first three verses. You say, well, three verses? You're, you're not going to get through with this in eight sermons. I promise you it will pick up. Okay? Let's look at the first three verses. Jonah 1, 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. It was after, I skipped a whole part there, after he found this ship going down to Tarshish. He pays the fare and goes. This is not what we would expect from a prophet of the Lord. Ethan read in the midst of, of, of the singing today, he, he read the verse coming out of Kings where Jonah is also used to, to speak the word of God. And he has a rare privilege that a prophet hardly ever had. He gets to speak the word of God and see it come favorably to pass. And have it come favorably, favorably to pass to those who he's speaking to in a hurry. God used Jonah to bring about the word that restored the border of Israel, that, that brought, brought good news, good times to Israel. And Jonah, probably, if he were alive today, he would say, why couldn't the book named after me be that story? But instead, we come to this story. And come to the one where this prophet of God doesn't do what we think a prophet of God should do. Instead of saying... Yes, Lord, on my way, going to Nineveh, going to tell them their sin has come up before you. Judgment is coming. Instead of saying that, instead what he says is, I'm out of here. I'm gone. And he disobeys. I want to show you two things in this today, two points largely. There will be subpoints. So when I say two things, don't check out. There will be subpoints under those two main points. But hear me. These are the two points that I want you to see. We have a relentless ruler, and then we are the running rebel. The relentless ruler and the running rebel. That's what I want you to see today. Our lives are not our own. They belong to the relentless ruler. Here we see very quickly, this story wastes no time in getting started. The Word of God comes to Jonah. Comes to Jonah. God calls Jonah on a mission. This is what God does. God calls His people, those who are His, even uses those who are not His in the gospel sense, to bring about His will and His ways in the world. We serve sovereign, ruling God who is authority over every single creature. And our lives, I want you to see in this, are not our own. They belong to this relentless ruler. I want you to see first that God has the right to command anybody he chooses. When we start out this book, here's what I want you to do. When we read the word of the Lord came to Jonah, I want you to remember all throughout this book, over the course of the summer, when you hear me saying Jonah, don't hear just Jonah, but take Jonah's name out and insert your name here. I want you to see that just as God had every right to call Jonah to go to Nineveh, he has just as much right to say to you and to me, go. 
He is the relentless ruler. Not only that, he has the right not just to call you, but he has the right to call your children, your grandchildren. He has the right to call your spouse. He has the right to call your boss, your neighbor, anybody he wants. Don't miss the fact that Jonah is somebody's son. Jonah is the son of Amittai. I've watched this after spending years in student ministry and preaching and seeing the Spirit of God through the Word of God convict the lives of young people and seeing young people say, I'm not going to pursue the field that I've always been groomed for. I'm going to pursue a career in following God, ministry, public, vocational ministry. Hear me, there's nothing wrong with going into some other field. We need people in fields as missionaries there. But God sometimes calls individuals, happened with me, calls individuals to vocational, full-time, lifelong service, the preaching of His Word in some facet. And then through the years when I've seen young people, young, young men stand up and say, this is me, God has issued a call on my life, I have also watched parents. I have also watched mamas who have said, son, you didn't hear that from God. You heard an emotional appeal, and I understand you got caught up in things, and, and let's, let's just wait. Let's just give it some time. Don't make, a, don't make a rash decision too quickly, son. What it comes down to is mamas often have plans for their babies. One particular mama had plans for her baby to be a doctor. So when he announced that he wanted to be a pastor, that God had called him to pastor, didn't square with her plans. I don't want you to miss that as we start Jonah, God, the relentless ruler, has every right to call whoever he wants, you or even your children or your grandchildren. Not only that, God has the right to send us on any mission to anywhere he would ever send us. Look at what he says. He says, go to Nineveh. Now to understand this, we've got to understand a little bit about Nineveh. You and I hear Nineveh, we don't know anything about it. It's been probably romanticized for us. It's, it's, uh, it's been sterilized for us. But Nineveh to Jonah was repulsive. The idea of going to Nineveh would, would be similar to us going to the Middle East. Going to northern Africa or into the, the Middle East. Going into areas where radical Islam is, is rampant. And it's, it's just hard. And it is, it is dangerous. And this is what God's essentially calling Nineveh or, or Jonah to. When he says go to Nineveh, he's sending him to the chief capital military city of Assyria. Assyria was the leading power of the day. They were the chief enemy of Israel. It was the war city of Israel. And Jonah didn't want to go. And I understand when, I, when, we, when we look to other books to help us interpret Scripture, listen to how Nahum describes this city of Nineveh. Nahum chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, he writes, Woe to the bloody city, Nineveh, bloody city, all full of lies and plunder. No end to the prey. The crack of the whip and rumble of the wheel. He's talking about the chariot there. Galloping horse and bounding chariot. Horsemen charging, flashing sword and glittering spear. Hosts of slain, heaps of corpses. Dead bodies without end. They stumble over the bodies. 
and all for the countless whorings of the prostitute, grateful and of deadly, graceful and of deadly charms, who betrays nations with her whorings and people with her charms. This is the city that God is calling Jonah to. We often think that what was wrong with Jonah? Why did he run? Why, why, is he, why is he running away here? And we'll find out later in the book exactly why he runs. But we think, what's the big deal, Jonah? Go to Nineveh. You're the prophet of God. Don't remove from this the fact that this is a dangerous place. Jonah knew this. Why? Jonah must have thought when God said, go to Nineveh, he must have thought, why will they not make my body one more on the pile? Who's to say my body won't be one that they are stumbling over? Who's to say it won't be my blood that causes that city to be a bloody city? Don't miss this. God has the right, though, to call us and send us to any city, anywhere that he would ever have us to go. Nineveh not only is violent, but it's also huge. It was one of the largest cities in all of the Far East. The Bible here in the book of Jonah later on tells us that it was three days across the city. When Jonah comes out of the big fish, he repents, and he actually goes and he preaches the word to them. He spends three days going across the city on foot. That's a big city. Jacksonville, Florida, to my understanding, is the largest landmass city in the United States. It's huge. It's similar, here, similar idea here. It's huge. Not only is it huge in landmass, but it's also huge in the number of people. The Bible later here in the book of Jonah says 120,000 souls. That's a big city of that day. One commentator said that that referred, when, he, when God says 120,000 who don't know their right hand from their left, one commentator said he believes that it's talking about infants and children who don't know their right from the left, that there's, there's 120,000 just of children in this city. Jonah must have been thinking, God, you want me to go to not only the most violent city on the planet, but God, you want me, one man, to go to this huge city and preach this bad news to them? What can one man do? Not only is it violent, not only is it huge, but it's also far away. It's a far away land. Nineveh was roughly about 600 miles to the northeast of Israel. 600 miles to you and I is, is still a long trip today. I spent all day yesterday going about 300 miles to a wedding uh, there and back. 600 miles, twice that, on foot. That's a, a long trip. Jonah must have been thinking, God, you're out of your mind. It's too violent. It's too big. It's too far away. But I would remind you that God has the right to call us anywhere in the world that he would have us to go. That our lives, we say this, we would affirm this, you would amen this. Our lives are not our own. They've been bought with a price but oftentimes it's easy to amen that until God actually speaks and calls us somewhere. And God, we, we, as you came in, if you're here with us new, or if you've been here over the last several weeks, you've, you know that we are praying through and we sense that God has called us to go to Canada uh, to partner with the North American Mission Board and plant churches there. And some of you thought, I thought that series was over. The book of Jonah will only further illustrate and apply for us what God is calling us to do in Canada and Greenville and Spartanburg and in your neighborhood and in your very life. God is sovereign and has the right to call us anywhere regardless of how far or violent or closed off or opposed or big. Anything, anywhere, 
God is sovereign. We look at people like Jonah probably looked at the Ninevites and he probably said, God, they don't deserve the blessings of God. Now, keep in mind, Jonah knew here that he was going with a bad message. God says to Jonah, their sin has come up before me, so go and preach against them. But Jonah knows something here of the character of God, and he knows that God is a gracious God, and that God is sending him so that they would have the opportunity to repent. Jonah, knowing this, he looks at them and he says, God, no. They don't deserve your blessings. They don't deserve the opportunity to repent. They don't deserve grace. Now, I told you that as we're going through this book, when we speak of Jonah, insert your name. See yourself in the person of Jonah. But before we move on to Jonah, we must also be reminded that we are not only Jonah, but we are also Nineveh. That there is not one person who is sitting in this room or standing in this room or anywhere in this building or anywhere on this planet that deserves the grace of God. Lecrae, who is a, um, a Christian rapper, and I know for a lot of you rap is probably not your genre of choice, he has a line in one of his songs. If we fought for our rights, we'd be in hell tonight. None of us deserve the grace of God. And what Jonah needs to understand here, what he needs to see from the beginning is, yes, you're right, Jonah, Nineveh does not deserve it. They are a violent, wicked, sinful, idolatrous people. But Jonah, so are you. So were we before Christ invaded our lives. Don't miss that. God has the right to call anybody he wants, to send us anywhere he would have us to go, and God has the right to convict every single person and every single people on the planet without exception. Now, this is good news. When when God here says to Jonah, Jonah, go and preach against them because their sin has come up against me. Notice that when Nineveh, did not see God. They didn't have God in their sights. They were as godless as they could be. God had his eye on them. And he says, their sin has come up before me. And what this means is that God, sovereign over the universe, the relentless ruler, has every single right, is, is perfectly right in judging and holding every single person and people accountable. This is not popular in today. But this is good news. Don't we like justice? Don't we like justice? Aren't there people today that are screaming for justice over certain things? Politicians do something wrong. John Edwards has been in the news lately. The Trayvon Martin case. All sorts of things going on different places. Don't we long for justice? Don't we want to see people not get away with things that are wrong? Are you all out there? Okay. We all like justice. Justice is a good thing. Just not when it's us who are in the wrong. Isn't that true? It's easy to sit on the sidelines and watch somebody else get what's coming to them and say, yes. That's right. But when the 
gaze is turned and we are put in the hot seat and it's our sin that we are now getting what we deserve, we don't like it. But I would call your attention, and I know I may not get much further than this today, but I would call your attention right off the bat, and I would say unashamedly that one of the things that we need to settle in our minds is that we are not in charge. We are not the boss. And we have one who is on the throne. He is God, and he can do whatever he wants to do. We have an authority problem in this country. Everybody wants to blame everybody else. No one wants to submit to those who are over them. We all want to be our own boss, but never be responsible. The reality is what I want you to see from the get-go, from the first out of the gate this morning, is that we have a God who's on the throne, and He is in charge. He is the relentless ruler. But I want to draw your attention quickly to this. Notice that God here sends Jonah. Now, if, if, I'm, if I'm, you know, walking through the hall or if I'm in my study or I'm in, at, at home in the kitchen and I see a spider come crawling across the floor, what am I going to do? Am I going to say, hey, 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 Lana, come here and tell this spider that I'm about to crush him? No, I simply take my foot, step on him. Why does God here say to Jonah, their sin has come up before me. I am altogether holy. I am authoritative over everything. I am the sovereign, relentless ruler over everything. I have made everything. All things were by me and through me and to me. All of it. Jonah, go tell them their sin's come up before me. If God here is intending to crush them, would God ever send Jonah? God would simply say, and wipe them out. But don't miss that God in sending Jonah is being gracious. He is not sending Jonah on a doomsday mission. Instead, he's sending him on a mission of mercy. Richard Phillips, who is the pastor of Second Presbyterian Church here in Greenville, uh, wrote one of the commentaries that I'm using um, to, to preach this series. And in it, he points out that God oftentimes sends his people on some of the most difficult missions. He's done it throughout biblical history. He's done it throughout extra-biblical history. He sends his people on difficult missions. Richard Phillips points this out. He says, Abraham... God said to him, leave your home. Go to a place that I'll show you. Why? Do you think that would be difficult? Just leave everything you know, leave everything that's comfortable to you, and just just set out, and I'll show you along the way where to go. Do you think that would be hard? Absolutely that would be hard. Why did he do it? Galatians 3.17 tells us he did it so that Abraham would become the true father of, of those who have faith in Christ. That he would be the father of a multitude of nations. And that we are included in that now. The mission that was set in Abraham's life had everything to do with you and I right here today in 2012. Moses. God tells Moses, go to the most powerful man in the world 
and tell him that I'm saying, let all of your labor force go. Just let them go. You think that would be hard? Moses thought it would be hard. Moses said things like, God, you don't understand. I don't, I don't speak real well, God. Think about that. That's pretty funny that God's the one who made his tongue. And he argues with God and says, God, I don't, I don't speak real well. Can't you just send someone else, God? And what did God do by sending Moses to Pharaoh? Not only did he sit, set the Israelites free, but in the process, he sent the first Passover lamb that was a picture of the one that would come, the Passover lamb that we celebrate today that went to the cross so that when we look to the cross, that we hide under the cross and under the finished, perfect, sacrificial work of Christ, that we too will be saved. God said to um, Mary, go to Mary for instance, God, God says to Mary, Mary, I know that you're, you're, you're just a child. I know that you're a virgin, but, but here's what I want you to do, Mary. I want you to, to carry the Messiah and, and give birth to him. I want you to carry the Son of God, give birth to the Son of God. Do you think that would be tough? you think there weren't some questions for Mary? <laughs> Wait a minute, you're saying that you got pregnant how, Mary? Don't you think people would write her off? Don't you think that she would become an outcast? And that society, way, way more so than today. But why? God sends the Son of God into the womb of a virgin girl so that he would go to the cross, that he would come to this planet and live a perfect life, go to the cross and die the death that you and I were meant to die, be placed in a tomb and raised, be raised from the dead and have God say, I am well pleased with the sacrifice of my son. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Even Jesus himself, God said to Jesus, Jesus, go. Equal with God in every way, go. Take on flesh. You're going to go to the cross and you're going to take on the sin of the world. You're going to become sin but I want you to do this. Jesus, we see him wrestling with this. This is hard. This is the son of God in the garden wrestling with this and saying, God, if there's any other way, any other way, God, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. See, Here's what Richard Phillips is pointing out and what I want you to see today, that there is a God who is sovereign. He is the relentless ruler. He has every right to command your life and my life and this church and every single creature on the planet because he's in charge and we're not. But don't miss it. Don't, don't think that he is just this God up there that plays with us in the same way that, that a boy plays with, with an anthill with a magnifying glass. Instead, when he gives us difficult assignments, we can rest assured that he is giving us this difficult assignment because he has something better and bigger in mind than we could ever imagine. Some of you are you're frightful to go to Canada. You're, you're afraid to, to go into Greenville or into Spartanburg. Some of you, when you hear that, that our teenagers are going into inner city Spartanburg and working with, with, with teenagers there, so that... that rubs you the wrong way a little bit. You're afraid for them. Some of you are afraid to go across the street and talk to a neighbor. 
Do you understand that when God calls us to something, whether it be Canada or Greenville or Spartanburg or even into personal holiness in your life for you to obey God in whatever area He's calling us to, do you understand that while it may be difficult, that He has something bigger and better in store that we could never even imagine? That there are people right now living in Canada who have never heard the name of Christ. But in a couple of months, I'll get on a plane and I'll go up there. And we'll go and we'll meet a church planter. And we'll get connected and we'll figure out what we're going to do as a church together. I'll come back, share that news with you. We'll send a first team up there. We'll begin to partner with this church planter in Canada. And we'll go back and we'll go back and we'll go back to the same church planter, to this same church plant in Canada where there's only one, one church for every 124,000 people. And we, we will go and we will go and we will go. And we may not see a lot of fruit right off the bat. We may, we may go two or three years before we see one person converted to Christ. They're cold and shut off to the gospel. They don't like anything that smacks of religion. But nevertheless, they... They, they are His. He is worthy of their worship. And because if we will say, unlike Jonah, Canada, yeah, we'll we'll go to Canada. There will be people that will come out of Canada to the glory and praise of our God. If we will say, Greenville, we'll, we'll go to Greenville. There will be people that will come out of Greenville to the praise and glory of our God. If you and I in our lives will say, personal holiness, I'll obey. There will be holiness that will come out of our lives to the glory and praise of our God that we can't imagine at this point. Jonah says no. In fact, I I want you to notice, and I'm going to end the sermon here. I'm not going on to the second point. I'll do that next week. Jonah says no, but I want you to notice. Wait a minute. don't, Don't start packing up just yet. There is no conversation. He doesn't reason with God. He doesn't ask God for permission. He doesn't go to other brothers or sisters and say, you know, what do you think? He doesn't concert, he doesn't look at the Word of God. Instead, the Bible just says that he's gone. That he just leaves. That he just, hears the word of the Lord. Go to Nineveh. Their sin has come up against me. Go preach against them. And we read the very next thing. Instead of going to Nineveh, he goes to Joppa. He goes the opposite direction. And he gets on a boat. He pays the fare. And he takes off in the exact opposite direction. As far away as he possibly can. Looking to go to Tarshish. Somewhere on the far coast of Spain, he's heading there. He doesn't, he doesn't ask, he doesn't talk, he just runs. And some of you right now in this room, you hear this and you think, oh my, what's coming next? 
And you may sense that God is maybe calling you out on something. He's about to call you to something and show you something that he would have you to do. He's about to show you or he has been showing you something in his word or through a relationship with another brother or sister. He's about to show you this. And some of you will be tempted right now to say, I'll come back in September. I'll let him get through this whole Jonah thing. Let him get that out of his system and then I'll come back. And you will run from this place and you will not consult God. You will not consult brothers and sisters. You will simply run because you know God is about to say something to you. Or maybe he has said something to you. And I would, I would beg, I would implore you, I would give you the warning. It didn't work out so well for Jonah. We're going to see that this relentless ruler chases Jonah down. Jonah tries to run away, don't miss it, from the presence of the Lord. Not just, not just from the task, but from the presence of the Lord. And what he needed to hear was there's nowhere on the planet that you can go to get away from God. Don't think that when you avoid coming to this place, that when you just ignore the phone calls or the fellowship with the people here in this place, that you will, you will shut out the voice of God. I can tell you this much. If God has something for you, if you are His and there is something that He would have you to do, you can go anywhere you want, but His voice will be heard. The hounds of heaven will chase you down. So don't run. Instead, in this moment, say, God, I don't know. I'm scared. This looks hard. It's a big task. But God, I'm willing. God, I, I, I want to trust you. I want to trust you because I believe that in this, there is something bigger and grander and better than I have ever imagined. And God, I want that. Pray together. Lord Jesus, God, I thank you for your direction. God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that all over this room that you would speak loud and clear. God, for those who are sitting in this room who right now know that you're asking them to something, that you're calling them to yourself, that you're calling them to faith or obedience in some area, and God, they're tempted to run. Everything in them screams, run! God, I pray, Lord, that you would push that voice out. And God, that your voice and your call would be louder and stronger than any, any pull of the flesh or the enemy could ever be. Lord, have your way with your people in this place and beyond this place. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.